All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Money Wong Chat, where I talk with my friends, guests from different industries. I know we talked to a lot of streamer, gamers, cosplayers um, in the last recent episode, YouTubers, but I finally get to talk to you know more photographer friends um, soon and today as well. And today we are going to have. Von Wong. Well, he go by Von Wong, but I know he's also go by Benjamin. It's you know I'll let him explain that in a bit. Uh, but anyway, you are watching this on Twitch right now, Twitch.tv/ModernWongPhoto. Of course, you can also watch this later on my YouTube. Uh, it's just Modern Wong Photo, same thing. And you can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, on everything. There is also uh, some extra content on Patreon if that's what you're into as well. No, 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 no problem if you don't want to. Um, we are also uh, you know. On again, live every Tuesday to Thursday at 7 p.m. So today's a special episode, which is gonna be fun uh, and new experience. And again, thanks for everyone for joining, for following, for subbing. I should turn off that light. I forgot that does that because I was doing a gaming stream earlier with Stella, and every time someone's follow or someone uh, sub or whatever, it will do this flashy color. I'm gonna keep it on. Hopefully, <laughs> it won't be a problem. Anyway. Uh, today we have Wang Wang, so uh, I'm gonna bring him on, and hopefully my stream lab is working because everything is kind of messy right now. All right, cool. I think we're good. What's up, Ben? What, what do I call hey, yo. you anyway? <laughs> do you I can call me you? whatever comes to mind? Whatever comes to mind, man. Ben or Von Wang, whichever one you can remember. But uh, my real name is actually Benjamin Wang. Okay, but the problem with Benjamin Wong, as you know, as a Martin Wong, uh, yep. it's, it's kind of common, so it's hard to stand mm -hmm. out. Yep, which is why I had to invent the Von Wong thing. And then again, people always ask me, anyone that has the last name Wong, it's like, oh, are you related? Like, no, no relations. I mean, we are maybe a certain step, but not as far as we know at the instant uh, sense. Probably a couple, couple hundred years ago or thousands yeah. of years ago. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> and yeah, I have someone. Do you, have you heard of this guy called Jimmy Wong? He does like YouTube videos as well, do fun no. stuff, talk about uh, racism. So he's like in the new Mulan, but then I had him on the show like a few weeks ago and it was like, oh, are you guys related? It's like, no, nope. but then he does have a brother that work in the same industry. So it's kind of like, I can't just say like, oh, you can't just assume <laughs> because it does happen sometimes. So I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. yeah. No, I actually pick, I, so in the cosplay scene, for example, um, Lots of cosplayers or photographer have like a different name. They might go by um, some cosplay name, something like, oh, Princess Peach Cosplay or something. And photographers, some of them had, have that as well. But that doesn't stand out, you know? And also people are gonna not remember you that well and they get confused. So I just stick with my name. I did pick Martin, you know? I wasn't born a Martin. Uh, oh, I cool. It. Yeah, I picked it. There you it go. So you, you've also chosen your own name. Yep. It's kind of like a choose destiny kind of decision. So I'm, I'm glad I did it. So, eh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I think I'm kind of stuck with it now. So, it's not a bad <laughs> thing. Yeah. Uh, but where'd you get Vaughn? Just kind of randomly selected? Yeah, so Vaughn means from in German. It's mm. the first level of aristocracy. Um, mm. And since there's uh -huh. no more Tsar in Germany, you can't earn the title. Like you can't oh. earn the Vaughn title. And so I figured, well, there was not a single Wong. And so like Von Wong means like from the family of Wong. It's like a title. Uh -huh. It's like duh or you know, oh, yeah, yeah, any yeah. other language or van in, in Dutch. And so I just I, thought I, it was kind of cool. And then it, and then it stuck. Um, I mean, it was kind of spurred on by necessity because mm -hmm. when I first started off my career as a photographer, 
Um, and it was, you know, you, the first thing you do is you look for your domain name to see like, mm-hmm. what, whether or not you can get it. And uh, BenjaminWong.ca was like a wedding photographer that lived six hours away. And I was like, oh, I can't, God, can't do it. that. Yeah, I, got, I need something else. <laughs> and so, so yeah, so Von Wong was born. And uh, it's funny because it sounded really weird when I first started it. Um, mm-hmm. It actually took me like nine months before I like truly adopted the name. And it just sort of grew from there. And here we are. I actually really like your logo. Oh, like thank the you. The simplicity thank of it, but also like you can tell, like especially if you know your name, then like, oh, I'm still trying yeah. to figure out. Like, I feel like MW could create something, but hopefully it's not like too obvious. I don't know. It's like logo is difficult. You want it to be simple, but get to the point, but also like very, I don't know. It's yeah. much harder than I expected. Yeah, I actually hired someone to do that because I, for the longest time, I just didn't have a logo. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just using like Bank Gothic bold as a font and it was just like a typeface logo. Uh-huh. And it was only, yeah. And then after, I, I don't know, like I think I had made some shirts and I was thinking of merch and apparel and I realized I could never have like a square logo and mm-hmm. it just drove me crazy. So then I eventually hired someone. And um, and the funny thing is my logo is still not square. It's actually more rectangular. So I haven't actually solved the problem I originally <laughs> set out to do. But it, it does have like a couple of things that I really like about it. Like it leans a little uh-huh. bit forward. So it's kind of off balanced. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's kind of very descriptive of my life. I'm constantly off balance. It's very sharp. So it's kind of like on the cutting edge of things. Uh, and uh, and yeah, it's got like that duplication, which is almost like a fast forward or, you know, mm-hmm. it, it has this like sense of acceleration. So overall, I think the guy did a really, really great job to capture. I, I like um, it. And capture my spirit. Yeah. I was I, I made a YouTube video about a while ago, like a year, a year and a half ago. Uh, but it was talking about all this cliche that new photographers have, you know, like using a uh, aperture logo or like oh, using yeah. selective <laughs> color. But like, yeah, it's just like and and as soon as I made a video, a friend didn't watch it, and then he came to me and said, "Hey, I got a new logo because like, I'm starting out doing photography or videography." Instantly, an aperture. I was like, "Yep." Yep, this yeah, is a that's common usually thing. where we start. I think we've all had bad logos in our careers. So. Or have that logo, or have tried a selective color, and uh, yeah, I mean, or really horrible. We you cool. know the really horrible watermark. Yeah, that you mm-hmm. cover like really, really big. It's like mm-hmm. the bigger your watermark, the worse of a photographer you are. Is usually the correlation. <laughs> Pretty um, much, and then you slowly then- grow out of it, and it gets smaller and smaller. And so it's just ironic because you try so hard to protect work that like a couple years down the line, you realize it's totally mediocre. <laughs> and, and yeah, and now that's like with Instagram culture and everything, it's like, I can't even watermark myself because if I watermark them, they don't get share, which is mm-hmm. very ironic. But if yeah. they get share, but they have no watermark, then unless they credit you, then people don't know where it's from. So it's kind of like a... Uh, Catch 22, right? Yeah. yeah. And then you photograph like... You, you photograph people who are more famous than you. Mm-hmm, so yep. then ultimately, the attribution generally goes to the person with the loudest voice. Yeah. The most popular account. Um, like, I, I, I feel your pain. I was talking to friends about it and I was saying like, it sounds nice. Like people would like my stuff because of my content, not because of me. Because like technically, like we're like kind of like content creator in the business sense. They call us influencers. Um, for most influencers, it does sound very nice. They like you for your content, not just for you. But then the problem is that they like my content for the person in the content, but not really me. So it's, <laughs> it's hard to well, like... Well, what do you want, man? You take you take photos of good-looking people. <laughs> I know. How dare them? You know, I need to... Yeah, how dare they like those good-looking people? <laughs> uh, that's right. And you know what's doing better now? If I sometimes take pictures of cute cat, and that does oh. even better. And it's... Oh, wow. I don't know. 
it's, it's annoying. I like, so this is, you, yeah. do you have a pet then? Uh, my housemate do. I, I'm living with some housemate right now. I'm moving like earlier last year. Uh, they have two cats and then now we're stuck in, you know, shelter at home. So we just, I, whenever I'm bored, it's like, all right, cat, you're my model now. <laughs> Let's play. Got it. And people love them. Uh, <laughs> and either that or my most engaged photo right now, this month, um, well, two of them. The first one that did really well was my April Fool's, was me in a skirt. Again, not oh, my wow. best work. I think it's a sign. I think you need to wear <sighs> more skirts. It's, uh, <laughs> Clearly, that's what needs to happen. Right? That should be my OnlyFans or like Patreon or something. Yeah. Yeah, and, more skirt, and, more skin. Just. Yep, I shaved my legs for it, and I've shot wow. my legs and everything too. And wow, the best, and the best photo that's doing right now on Twitter for me was last week. I spilled milkshake all over my table, all over my keyboard, and that was my best engaged people known photo right now at this moment. And wow. it was not any of the work that I spent hours and hours on, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I I went through that. I went through that uh, sort of similar journey. Uh, I don't know, almost seven, eight years ago. You know, um, back back when I started, like Facebook was the only place you would really post yep. photos. I think Facebook and Flickr, five hundred mm -hmm. pics wasn't even out yet at the time. And um, and I remember, like, you know, you the reason why I got into photography was because of the instant gratification, like that mm -hmm. exact flow of being able to say, like, oh, I created something and I get like likes and comments. And so you're, you're using likes and comments as your metric of what's good work. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I, I had like a similar moment, maybe a year, year and a half in when I'd taken a selfie and, and it got so much better performance than the <laughs> other shot that I had taken forever to do. And I was just like, I think I need to recalibrate my metrics of what makes a good image. Um, like, what am I actually trying to get? Am I really just trying to get likes or am I trying to create something that I'm proud of? So I had to kind of face that uh, pretty early on. So, yeah. So so what is it now then? What is the decision making? Are you going for the viral ability or are you going for good photos that you think is good? Well, it depends what you, it depends what we're talking about because I, you know, I'm known as a photographer because I take photographs uh, mm -hmm. And I occasionally create campaigns where the photographs are featured up front and center. But I, practically speaking, take very few photographs. So I take like maybe 20 photos a year, effectively, um, <laughs> that I share or post. Um, and the rest is all just done with my phone, like just standard selfies or whatever. Um, recently, as I was traveling, I was using an, an Osmo. Uh, actually, the, I was just using this because I was like, oh, I need some super simple selfies of me in action. And the Osmo Action Cam has a front-facing screen, and I could just mm -hmm. like clap this, and it was just content, but content without the intention of engagement. Um, I think I left the uh, the influencer circles a long time ago because I just couldn't. You know, you have all these best practices of what Instagram expects you to do, right? Post every day, post at the same time, post similar mm -hmm. content, like all these things. And uh, I I chose pretty early on to not play that game, and so I fell behind. And uh, and it's never really bothered me. Um, so I have followers with mediocre engagement, um, but I don't create for the engagement. The engagement is just incidental to the quality of the work that I do. Um, and I mm. and that, I think that's been a really great decision because ultimately you can't become an expert at Instagram because Instagram's constantly changing their algorithms. Oh, they don't even so, know how it works themselves. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, you just become like a slave to the platform. No matter mm -hmm. how hard you work, 
how many hours you pour in and how much you hack the system. Like you may become an expert just for a couple months or maybe a year and then it'll just change. And then, and, yep. and, and, and if your entire business model depends on engagement or like all these like superfluous things, yeah, then it just doesn't work so well. I mean, I, at least I'm not interested in that lifestyle. Maybe I should rephrase that way because some people do it. I mean, now it's what the next big one right now is TikTok. Lots of kids are doing it. I know, I know. It's making me feel I old. Have... <laughs> you know, I look at the the rate of creativity, like how fast people produce things and how often they create, mm-hmm. and it just feels so tiring. Um, primarily because it's like being in the rat race, and you can never escape it. Because mm-hmm. the minute you stop running on your treadmill. The minute, mm-hmm. like everything you work so hard to build disappears. And it's like, it's like when you start jogging and then you run as fast as you can and the treadmill is moving. And then at some point, the treadmill will run faster than you can keep up with it. And then you burn out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've seen that quite often um, in, in, in worlds where like people no longer enjoy the content that they're creating. They're like a slave to the content that they have to do. That's kind of um, how I am with cosplay. Like, ironically, it's a love and hate thing because. A first like shooting cosplay because it's such a interesting culture, you know. Uh, I'm not a hardcore nerd like most of my friends, but I still like it a little bit. But I really like enjoy shooting it because it was interesting. Like because you have all these people who um, got materials from a like, fabric store that they have to find some really rarely, or like I mean, even online even wasn't that easy. There's no big sharing platform like Instagram or Facebook, so people have to make costume based on watching like old cartoons, anime, like TV show, just to get some reference and try to guess how to make the costume. And it was really creative. And I really enjoy how people were doing it. But mm-hmm. then now it's kind of changes again, as you said, no, then we're chasing for a Facebook like, Instagram likes. And luckily, you know, I, I am happy about that did again, double edged sword. You know, like I am happy that it did bring me a following and help me get my work and name out there so more people can see my work. But then not anymore now is that doesn't, first of all, it doesn't happen anymore. And second of all, I don't enjoy creating content because I know what would do really well on the internet, but at the same time, it's not what I like. It's not the same. And I really right. wish that I can make what I like and then show them like, hey, I know what you like. That's cool. I'll make some of those for you guys. But can you also like the other stuff? But it's such a huge imbalance. People obviously like one over the other. And yeah, for sure. But but at the end of the day, right, if you don't want the content to control you and you want to control the content, then you have to make those hard decisions because it'll, I mean, the algorithms don't, the way they work or the way they're currently working um, are all basically trying to convert humans into products, right? Mm-hmm. So you as someone who produces a show, be- become a character on the show. You know, if you post every day at the same time every day, you're basically like a TV show. Someone subscribing to your life and you as a character to which they subscribe to has to fall under certain rules and regulations. So mm-hmm. it's like you can't turn on the TV one day and if Homer became like, you know, he suddenly decided he didn't <laughs> want to be fat and lazy and wanted to be athletic and healthy and smart and started working on it, like then it wouldn't be the same show. Correct. People would be off. So mm-hmm. but the thing is, like, I don't know. I don't want to be a product, right? Um, and at the end of the day, it's, you know, one of the interesting things, I think, is that um, if, if you are just feeding people so that they can consume, um, they're never going to be satisfied, right? You can never create enough for them to be satisfied. Because, okay. Right? It's, a, it's an insatiable bucket. 
Mm-hmm, people are mm-hmm. always going to want more. They're always going to want something different. They're always going to push you. They're going to expect it. And and then you have to deliver. And it's just like such an unsustainable model. Like it's a, it's like consumerism versus create, creation. But then and, is the other way also sustainable too? Like where you're creating what you like? and Well, the only way to get paid to do what you want is to get really great at it. Uh-huh. And to get really great at it, you need to put time into it. And so... And you need to prove that you can do it, right? Nobody hires you to do something they haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. So, in a hypothetical world, if you wanted to do weddings, but we're only doing cosplay, then no mm-hmm. one would ever draw the correlation between the two. They want to see a wedding portfolio, not a cosplay portfolio. So, uh-huh. right? So, so if you want to do weddings, then you have to start shooting a couple weddings, do a couple for free, and then start building it up, right? And start showing and broadcasting what you do at the expense of your engagement and your following. I think like that's. You know, I, I, it's easy to say. I know it's super hard, especially if you've designed your life around it. Uh-huh. Um, and I think one of the things that I've been lucky to do is that I, when I became a photographer, um, I very early on decided that I didn't want photography to be a job. Mm-hmm. I only wanted photo- like because I had just quit my day job. I was an engineer before, and That's so like a lot of us, yeah, yeah. But but it was very. It was basically like if I don't want to be an engineer uh, and I want to have a passion or something I enjoy doing, then I should make sure to protect that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and at no point should I go back to photography being a job because if that were the case, then I should just go back to my old job so I could still have something that I enjoy doing. And yes. so I've always been really careful to try to protect that as much as possible um, in a very practical way. So mm-hmm. I think maybe a good way to look at photography is to not look at it as um, a lifestyle, right? Like uh, photography is the tool that you use. Mm-hmm. The lifestyle that you want to have is completely different. Mm-hmm. And so photography, let's say you like traveling and you like mm-hmm. meeting people and you like being creative, being surrounded by creatives. If photography is the tool that allows you to do the things that you want to do, mm-hmm. that's great. But if it's not the tool that you need to accomplish the life that you want to have, then you might want to start looking in somewhere else. So, I mean, in your case, perhaps you're like, oh, actually, I really love having great conversations with people. And so yes. now you have a Twitch stream and, you know, you've adapted. You're not a photographer. People might have discovered you through photography, mm-hmm. but you're doing, you're, you're crafting the world in which you want to live. And I, and I think it's about looking for those opportunities um, on how might you do the things that you enjoy most. Um, and and funny enough, like you probably became a great photographer in the cosplay scene because you love photography and you loved cosplay and you did it for free so much until you became really great at it, um, and then you could get paid for it, right? That's that's sort of like how that's things work. What happened? Yeah, yeah. But but like if now you're like, oh shit, I don't like this anymore, and I really want to do this other thing. You have to do the same cycle, but it's so much harder once you've attained some success somewhere because now you need to go from like the top of one mountain. Back to the bottom of another mountain, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. And like, because we also kind of forget how hard it was. Be well, because in the beginning it wasn't difficult because we didn't do it for that reason. You know, we did it because we enjoy. Exactly. So, yeah. like, of course, about Twitch now. You know, me trying to grind the Twitch um, platform stream, or like, you know, getting that kind of content, it, it's it's quite tiring compared to you know doing photography and stuff because it's a bit different. But I still enjoy it. Absolutely. I would say yeah. I enjoyed it more than photography for now. It is at this very moment. But then because it's new, uh, it's interesting. As you said, I like talking to people. Is yeah. 
it's different. But it's maybe you know one of the things that that I've been trying to focus on a little bit more, and and this is something that's changed over time. So I think my last like five or six years of my work has always been focused on the output of what I create. So I only、mm-hmm. create like for the last four years, I've only created campaigns、mm-hmm. to make a social impact.、Mm-hmm. And so if it if it wasn't going to accomplish something good,、mm-hmm. I didn't do it. So that's like all my fun photo shoots stopped. Because I really wanted my work to mean something,、mm. um, and so I I basically turned down anything that was just for fun. I stopped all my collaborations. I just focused exact on a hundred percent on like saying I'm going to figure out how to combine fantasy and impact. That is、um, hard. That is like especially to say no to things that you might enjoy and also might be good pay. You'd be like, nope, I don't want to do. Yeah,、that. it took me eighteen months to get my first paid job after I said I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so that was、uh, that was pretty painful. Um, but, <laughs> but like, but one of the things that I'm trying to get back to is like, what do you enjoy, the process of doing? Like, what what is something that you enjoy doing, and that you could actually convert into like a hobby that you want to do? So, a very practical example of something I'm trying right now. I realized uh, uh, a couple months ago, I was talking to one of my friends who's nomadic. She's been traveling the the world for five years and. And I just asked her. I was like, "How do you decide what to do with your life when there's no roadmap? You have no one similar who's leading a similar lifestyle. You have, you know, you're not an influence. You're not a mentor. You're like she. She'd organize like dinner parties, and she'd like facilitate conversations, and she'd like connect、mm. people. Like it was just like super vague, right? And it's not、okay. a. It's not basically not a career path. And I just never understood how her life worked. So I asked her like how she made decisions, and she she gave me like two frameworks. The first framework. That she would follow is the principle of ikigai, which is、mm. the Venn diagram of what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, and what、mm-hmm. you can get paid for.、Mm-hmm. And, and and those those circles just cross over. And see what you can、overlap. find that center.、Mm-hmm. That's your like, that's your compass. That's your north star.、Mm. And then the other half of it, which is the part that I didn't know about, was you try to take a look at how you would spend your ideal week. Like, what would you do with your time, in in like a dream week? What would you invest in? Is it like working out? Is it hanging out with people? Is it meeting people? Is it making something? Is it editing something? Like, what would you spend your week doing?、Um, because the way we spend our time is probably the most indicative of what we wish we could be doing. And find a way、mm. to combine those two things together. So, the ikigai. With the way you spend your time, and if you can do both of those, then you have like a roadmap for what you might want to、oh, do, which is really really interesting for me. And so I realized that one of the things that I really love doing is having deep, meaningful conversations with people.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I personally have been struggling to understand the intersection of art and impact. It's like, how、mm-hmm. do you measure it? What's the role of art? Is it useful? Is it helpful? And so, and so、uh, I ended up starting a podcast because it was a way to operationalize. My、mm-hmm. conversations, and as I do these conversations, it's allowing me to do many things. One, it's giving me an excuse to reach out to people and get to know them better.、Mm-hmm. Two, it's forcing me to study them、uh, prior <laughs> because I have to do my research.、Mm-hmm. Three, during the interview, you know, I record it and then、I、have to go edit it so I can、yep. like study even further, and then I have to synthesize it all into show notes, and then I have to share it. So like that knowledge now is actually like it's 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 useful on many levels, and because I'm doing it for the process. Or the most、mm. important part of it is the process. It doesn't actually matter 
that my podcast doesn't have that many views, right? It's because like it's secondary it. for now mm-hmm. because I'm doing it because I truly want to spend my time doing this thing. And I think, and you know, we, we have to talk like in a year, but I think <laughs> that this is a pretty good strategy to build something that's eventually going to be good enough to get the sponsorship dollars to become and, the product that I could mm-hmm. actually um, self-generate revenue on. That's kind of how I, um, for my this talk as well, this vodcast I'm having, because as you said, no, I enjoy talking with people. I want to know about their life. That's kind of why I got into photography in the first place. Um, you know, also with influence from you know family and stuff like that. But overall, is that I'm very interested in people's life. I'm an immigrant, so mm. I walked many different paths of life, uh, knowing different cultures. I travel a lot. I love traveling as well. So it's, I, I guess I'm always just like to learn more and discover how other people see things. For me, mm-hmm. it's always like, I mean, especially with Eastern Western culture is so different. I my understanding is that. Everyone has common sense, but the idea of common is different. You know, that's that's nice. the main part. Yeah. So, um, as you said, you know, <clears throat> I'm doing this, of course, no. Hopefully, if you can get more view, more traction, great. But even if not, I enjoy talking with people. Hopefully, this can improve my process. And I want to be, now that I feel like I'm older, having done this for a while, I want to be more realistic as well. No, when you're younger and also when you're first starting out, you either do a lot of pretend or like you really try to impress right. people. So everything you say is sound very disingenuous. Everything's just like very fluff. Everything sounds great. You always sound happy. Uh, you, you, you're cool with everyone. But as you get older, you know that is not the case. And I, I think it's not, we, it's not something I want, I don't want to afford to lose more time to being not real about how I see certain things in life, how I feel it, because then they don't really know how I am, especially being a photographer, it's always behind the camera. So mm-hmm. if it's, it's already enough they don't see my face, then they definitely do not see my perspective or my view or why I do certain things. Uh, especially in my industry, there's a lot of bad actors in the in it. And there's people that, you know, try and be a photographer for some other objectives that you know I really don't agree with. <laughs> Sometimes not even legal, you know. So I'm like, no, that's not how I want it to be, and that's how it shouldn't be. But it's not always for me to say. But at least I want to show more. Like, okay, that's not how I would do it. So maybe other people understand and able to, you know, agree with me on certain parts. Yeah, but I think maybe the piece that you might be missing, as I hear you describe what you enjoy doing is what you're going to be offering to the people who are listening. So like if I if I break down like the business model idea behind the podcast, mm-hmm. if if I'm interested in impact and I'm tackling a subject matter that people don't really know. And these are all hypothetical, right? Mm-hmm. Um so I think it's really hard to measure the impact of art. I don't really feel like many people have cracked it and so but everyone recognizes that art is important and the mm-hmm. creative economy brings billions of dollars in every single year. Uh, yet it's only being used for a fraction of its potential for entertainment. And so so to me, I see an opportunity there in becoming an expert in the space. Because if you become an expert, who knows? You could write a book. Uh, mm-hmm. You get to speak at conferences. You get to become a subject matter expert, at which case, if you become the spokespersons for arts within the impact space because you understand it so well and you have so many reference points to refer back to, that mm-hmm. means you could potentially travel more, um, engage in speaking engagements and so forth, right? So there's a lot of like layers of benefit there. And then the other question that I'm thinking of as I create the podcast is that, yes, this is something that I'm interested in learning, 
But but why am I trying to learn this? I'm trying to learn this because I want to transform my own ability to tell better, more impactful stories. I want to transform my own ability to um, to become a better designer of stories within the impact space. And so that becomes the offering for the people who are following it. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, um, I took this community design course uh, uh, a couple weeks ago and there's one sentence in particular that really stood out to me. And it's that people don't pay for content. They pay for transformation. Right. So if you're just, if you're just delivering content, you can only charge like a little bit of money, like a few, a few dollars, like a Patreon model, like Mm. three bucks, 10 bucks, 15 bucks. It's almost like people are like, Oh yeah, you're kind of cool. I want to like support you. Mm -hmm. But if you said, I can take you from where you are now to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. in a tenth of the time, it'll cost you this much. That's when you can start charging thousands because you're charging for the transformation. You're offering them a thing, right? So like and entertainment. So, it's, a, it's a cross uh, between... No? Uh, well, I mean, it doesn't have to be entertaining. It could just be a transfor- transformative. But I just think like this idea that if... The the key is to provide people with 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 insights to transformation and not not just to entertain them, mm. because if you're just entertaining them, people can find entertainment anywhere else. But it's mm. really hard to find people who are able to transform the way you see the world. It's really hard to find someone who makes you into a better person, who helps you get to your goals. I think mm. that's why like relationships are so difficult, because when you <laughs> when you have a partner. You know, yes, they can be attractive, and uh, yes, the sex can be good, and yes, it, you know, mm-hmm. you, you guys can get along. But like, are you becoming a better version of yourself when you're together? You know, are they mm-hmm. becoming a better person by being with you? And are you guys like helping each other get to where difficult. you want to get to together? It's super hard to find. It's so hard, because, yeah. Because transformation is the hard thing. It's a really, really hard thing to offer. So if you can crack that code, um, that's when I think you can you can really you know, transform things. And that's why you see these like ridiculously expensive mastermind groups. You have these really big transformational workshops similar to uh-huh. what uh, like Tony Robbins will offer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, a pro- like, you know, and, and, yep. and it's not because you're not there to hear Tony Robbins talk about what Tony Robbins do- talks about. You're there to unlock mm-hmm. your own potential. Yeah, because you want to unlock about what he did, you can script. just Google it. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Because the knowledge is out there. It's free. Yeah. <laughs> the content is there. So is that your plan too? Is that what you're trying to do? No, it's just what I, it's just what I think about. So I like to do things that I enjoy, but I uh-huh. always I always consider, like you said, we're kind of getting older. We're becoming ancient, uh, <laughs> ancient at thirty something. Um, Good thing we can't look to... the same for the last you know, <laughs> ten year and hopefully we're going to look the year. same for the next decade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, you still need to like think of like what are the steps you're going to hit. What are these little milestones and how are you going to make what you do sustainable? So mm-hmm. I, I personally don't have a scarcity mindset. Like I, I feel like no matter what I do, I'll figure it out and that money will come sooner or later. And mm-hmm. that's just how I live life. So as a result, I'm not an optimal business person. Um, <laughs> however, I've yeah, also, I, I agree. Yeah. However, I've like, also never struggled. Right? I've never worried mm-hmm. about being homeless. I've never like, I've never went, like I go through like dry periods, like a year with no work or something, but it's, it's, it's intentional. Like I'm not stuck in a situation. So like when, mm-hmm. when COVID-19 hit this year, um, I was planning on being nomadic. I just ended up coming back home to my parents' house 
and it's totally fine. I'm just downsizing. Plans completely change. All my work got canceled, and I just kind mm-hmm. of roll with it. I think I don't know. I just I see opportunity in everything, um, and and it's not always like rainbows and butterflies. I mean, it's easy, always easy to talk about these lessons mm-hmm. in like a and in a webcam format. But yeah, I mean, we have a Chinese saying, you know, like every time there is a danger, there's an opportunity. Yes, um, wait see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And I mean, this is like also a chance for me to discover new things too. If anything is more of me to see, am I more flexible than I really think I am? You know? Yeah. Or am I actually yeah. less flexible? Um. You know, I, I've been trying to. I mean, I feel like creating demand is such a hard thing, um, because most of the time as content creator, most people, majority of people, are supplying a demand. Like you're making content for people, you're making stuff for others, but it only takes to a certain step. I feel like to transform to creating demand to tell people what they want to see, and that's why I want to wonder. Like, do you feel that way? Like, because like you are self-described as an artifice, right? You do lots of stuff that making an impact through art. Um, is this something that people will not really consider until you show them? But once you show them, you realize, oh, they do understand and they do want this. But before that, is Now, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been a work in progress. I mean, the my style of photography, which is these large, extravagant, complex sets combined with impact, mm-hmm. uh, is something that not many people do. Uh, mm. And even if they do these experiences or installations, um, they don't do it with a community, and they don't tell the story of how it was created. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I grew up. I was given a piece of advice in 2012 by Chase Jarvis, who is another photographer, and he said yeah. that if you figure out what the one thing in life you can do that nobody else can do, then you never have to worry about getting paid another day in your life. And I took that to heart, like this idea that if I could just be good enough at something, if I could just figure out what made me unique, um, then. You know, when someone wants to hire you and no one else in the world can do it, then you can charge whatever you want for it. More that's or less, only, that's, that's only if they want it, though. That's the thing. You can be the best like stamp collector, but if stamp collection is not really something people care for, then it's tough, man. Like you could be the best of the best, but you know, is it something? Well, I, that- I, I don't know. I think the world is a really big place, and people have all sorts of crazy fetishes. And mm-hmm. if you become really great at Basically anything, there generally is a market for you.、Um, you know, I remember going to a conference and hearing a guy who was like the foremost expert on making instruments out of ice. Okay, and I was just like, that's very niche, very specific. Ha! How did you do that? And then there's this other guy who like was like the world's best、uh, replica creator of miniature furniture from like the 18th century, and so he would make he would take like cabinets that. And like make them like this big, and that was that was his <laughs> thing. His and thing. I was just like, how, right? And then you'll meet people who are like,、wow. I don't know, like knife experts, and they'll make like ten thousand dollar kitchen knives. And it's just like, who pays for that shit? But someone, someone out there will pay for it, yeah. Because、someone、because because at the end of the, yeah yeah because because at the end of the day, these are people doing, they're at the top of their game, and they're doing something that's so. You know, I think when you find people who are like true artisans or masters of their craft, you can't help but wonder, like, what is it about them? And and so while 
while you, you know, if you pursue only the short-term gains, you'll never create, or you, you probably won't create like this like long-term container around like what, you know, what's truly interesting. I mean, you look at some random athletes, like the guys who, I don't know, walk across the Arctic with like a sled or whatever. And, and you're just like, how are you making a living walking <laughs> in cold weather? Like, that's basically what it is, but they somehow make manage to do it because people are intrinsically drawn towards the power of great story, right? They're mm. drawn towards stories of human resilience and passion and motivation. And so if you can figure out and you can unearth what truly drives you, then the rest sort of will flow around it. You know, one of the recent industries that I've gotten into has been the the speaking speaking industry. And uh -huh. and and when you speak for corporate gigs, you can get uh -huh. like uh, when you start out, you're earning like three to five thousand dollars a talk, mm -hmm. and then after a year or two in, you can probably hit ten thousand dollars a talk. And I'm talking like forty-five minute talks, an hour talks in front of mm -hmm. the right crowd. And then if you reach someone like I don't know Hillary Clinton, gets paid somewhere around the lines of a six figure, <laughs> six figures for mm -hmm. a fifteen minute speech, right? And it's just like like people are really interested in stories, and stories are new and exciting to anyone who hasn't heard them before. And while you might not know what your story is um, right now, looking at it currently. Um, if it can all be stitched together into something that truly makes sense, that gets people to stop and stir and wonder what, how, where, you know, I think there's a lot of value in that. And you don't get that by just chasing the short-term, you know, mm. short-term gains. And I would say like even the content creators that are super successful, like the, let's say, super influencers, mm -hmm. um, they're successful because of like their consistency and they, you know, they do this, like, like it's a, it's a grind, right? It's but not if they stop, and, mm -hmm. but if they stop, they'll still have their story. Um, mm -hmm. And you'll see, you'll see influencers pivot and change mm -hmm. industries and start product lines and start other things. Mm -hmm. uh, some, some don't, but you know, you can always, you can always pivot. It's never going to be easy, but I think, if you build the foundation, you can you can still make the change and and I mean, people love of, yeah. A lot of what we learn is the skill sets on how to adapt that way. Like uh, many things, especially content creator, influencer, what, what have you not. Um, they this was never a job that was kind of like an options, like a normal options. You know, you don't like oh when I grew up. I mean now just kids that do that, but. You know, us, no one is like, yeah, when I grew up, I wanted to be a YouTuber or like a influencer. Mm -hmm. That's not the thing. So if you're able to learn from what you what you did from your skill sets, you know, like being a content creator, being a photographer, whatever you're doing, if you can transfer that into something else. And I think that's very valuable. And, yeah, you know, for sure. But I mean, even you look at someone like, I don't know, Casey Neistat, he's done like a zillion things on the side, but mm -hmm. what he truly loves doing is content. So he's just, he just keeps creating his content and, and people like him for it. And, and he's happy doing it because he's not, he's not a slave to his own product. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he wants to do it, but I look at his life and I go like, I don't want that life. That's not me. <laughs> right. And, and I think that's okay. And, and I, and it's important to like, ask yourself if, you know, just because someone is successful or just because they're leading a really great life, if that's actually the right, the right life for you. So for your projects, I know because you also usually have lots of volunteers that help you with your projects. Do you find those people align with the same mindset and same ideologies that you have? Is that why they want to help? It's changed over time. So <laughs> uh, my volunteers used to be predominantly men, mm -hmm. uh, predominantly photographers who just wanted to like see how I lit my sets and how I produced them. 
Mm-hmm. And over time, as I got into the impact space, they all became female. Uh, mm-hmm. And they all didn't really do photography. And they were just there because they wanted to help and they were curious about how, how it works. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, it, it changes, man. I think when you get into the impact space, whether it's the environmental movement, uh, pollution, humanitarian, it, like, it doesn't actually matter what kind mm-hmm. of impact you want to have. You're surrounded by women. <laughs> and this is the women who, who like care about this stuff, and the men are just driven by their ego. So it's just like a really funny dynamic. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because that's not something I would really think about either. Yeah, like right now I'm volunteering for an organization called getusppe.org. Um, I was sitting at home feeling really, really privileged because I have um, a roof over my head, I have electricity, I have food. You know, I have family, I have health, and I'm just like, man, there's so many other people in the world that aren't as lucky. Mm-hmm. What can I do to help? And so I eventually found this organization called getusppe.org, and I'm volunteering with them as like a creative director slash campaign strategist slash something like that. And 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 like they're uh, the in these Zoom calls that we have, it's there's like me and one other guy, and like. 18 women <laughs> just like everyone's a, everyone's a girl and I don't know what the guys are doing um, but the girls are helping and yeah maybe that's a way to attract more people let people know that hey you should uh, help out there's actually a lot of women in uh, the scene maybe that's not the right yeah. reason to get into it but it, it might be next things like oh actually I really enjoy you know helping and stuff uh, what was the yeah, last I, project you, you were yeah. doing it was the um, was it the computer one uh, or was it a different parts one? Was it water? No, no the straw. I, probably, yeah. So the straw one was the most successful project. Uh, we collected 168,000 plastic straws over nine months in Vietnam and, you know, cleaned them and converted them into a Guinness World Record art installation to raise awareness for plastic pollution in uh, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was in February of last year that we launched it. And that was your latest yeah. one, I think, right? No, right after that, we went to um, we went to Singapore and collected eighteen thousand plastic cups, and oh, converted right. that into um, some caves. But after those installations, like I, uh, I I realized that I was spending a little bit too much time trying to figure out the installation world, like. <sighs> So I went from photography, like basically temporary sets to creating semi-permanent sets. And uh-huh. that jump took a little bit of time because it's a completely different budget range um, mm-hmm. if something needs to stand alone for a little while. Um, it's also just a different product because now you're, you're going from selling a photo shoot to selling an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need, you need to have a, a space that will sponsor it for an amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so everything comes with it, it like everything comes with a whole bunch of different constraints and so i you know and then after i had done these projects i realized like you know what creating installations isn't what i thought it was what, originally i was like if i create the installation once then we can just have it travel and then i could make like a passive income if i rented my installations mm. mm-hmm. around but i didn't realize how much logistical work it was um to maintain so, or to build it well, everything. So you have to build it. You have to tear it down. You have to store it somewhere. You have to like uh-huh. sell the rental. I, I mean, it was just an entire operational nightmare, and I hadn't considered all of that. 
Uh, and so I had to kind of revisit my business plan and figure out, well, what exactly am I trying to do? Um, so I've been, I, I wanted initially to shift more towards more permanent installations or a bunch of malls that reached out. Um, I eventually ended up having to change my entire business model because I realized I had so many requests. Like people would come in and be like, hey, I love what you do. Um, <laughs> no, no, I love what you do. Oh, uh, Do you have any ideas? Mm-hmm. And then we'd go through this whole process. You'd have like a month of conversations and ideas and stuff. And then for whatever reason, it, would, it wouldn't go through. Mm. And that would be like, so much time wasted, right? And that happened mm-hmm. twice with two big potential clients. And I was so frustrated that, you know, because I had actually like blocked off months of my life in order to work on these projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was so frustrated that I was like, you know what? I can't afford to to live, to, to like, this is not a sustainable business model if I'm wasting so much time pitching all the time and not doing. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with one of my mentors who had some brilliant insight, which was that, you know, artists only get paid for execution, right? You only get paid if you shoot the photograph and deliver it. Mm-hmm. If, you do, if something goes wrong in the middle between planning or concept or model not showing up, whatever happens in the middle, mm-hmm. if, that, if you don't execute, no mm-hmm. you, you don't get any money. Consultants, on the other hand, are the reverse. All they need <laughs> to do is think and plan and come up with ideas and design mm-hmm. stuff. And so it's like, what if I restructured my business model and then I had um, consulting for the mm-hmm. design phase and then I had execution for the artist phase mm-hmm. then I could do both at the same time and so I had to kind of go through this whole different like shift in my business model to restructure that because I mean it, it sounds easy now that I figured it out but like it took me a long time to figure out like what was not working and how does it apply to like what I want to do and so on and so forth mm-hmm. so, so I started doing consulting and then I had speaking and then I had execution. And then I had two big projects lined up for this year um, and one major consulting gig and all of them have disappeared. Um, or, or are on standby is probably the better mm-hmm. way to put them. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, we none of us expect this coronavirus situation. And it's, it's annoying. I, I had a few projects I was coming up and I was supposed to do. And again, everything is just on hold and we don't know how long that on hold is. So we're not putting it off the table, but it's like on the edge of the table. Yeah, yeah. Because every, I'm, every, I'm just assuming, I'm assuming everything is canceled. And so I'm, I'm actually quite curious to see what the new opportunities are. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty stoic about life. I don't know about you. Like I, um, mm-hmm. I think in life there, there, there's basically things that happen that you can control and things that happen that you can't control. And things you can't control, don't worry about it. You can't worry much. Yeah, about and it. then just like forget about those. So like yeah. I've already like forgotten about my other projects and I'm just like, okay, what am I going to do about this situation now? And like pretty much what? Yeah, it's like a fun opportunity that I'm missing. So podcast, yeah. <laughs> podcast. Yeah, podcast, volunteering. So the volunteering is interesting because now I'm testing out what it's like to go from execution to strategy, right? Because mm-hmm. I can't go anywhere. I'm just... I'm just designing. It. Yeah, so but I'm how, coming up with ideas you, and managing. Yeah, that. Exactly. what are these ideas that you're coming up with that cannot be executed right now? Like, are you still coming up with ideas that are like, okay, what well, we can pivot in a way for companies to make things to work or charity? Well, I mean, stories always need to be told, uh-huh. right? Um, but for someone to want to hire you to tell a story, they need to know that you're able to tell their story. So no one, if you go back to the idea, like no one wants to hire you to do something they've never seen you do before. 
Mm -hmm. Um, In my case, I don't think anyone would hire me um, to do, to come up with creative strategies because when you look at my portfolio, everything that I've done has only been under my own name, mm-hmm. right? I'm not a creative like, director that's created a campaign a producer, for this company mm-hmm. and creating a campaign for that company and created a campaign for that. So no one's ever going to hire me to do that. So this mm-hmm. is an opportunity to do something good in the world and to learn. Like, and even if I don't get any work from this, it's fine because I would have learned something. I would have tried something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like finding those overlaps is like really interesting. And so, so yeah, I mean, it took, it took a long time. I mean, it took me four weeks to figure out like, what am I going to do with myself during coronavirus, right? Like, what is the value of story in a time when like so many more critical things are important? Um, and, and I'm super grateful to have found a place where I can work for free because it's giving me a little bit of a sense of purpose, um, sense of belonging, a sense of community, and a challenge, a brand new challenge that I can hopefully step up to. Okay. So for your vodcast, uh, I know you're saying you're talking to different people to learn their stories as well. Uh, what is the yeah. focus? I actually didn't know. I want to, yeah, ask you more about it. Yeah. So the name of the podcast is called Impact Everywhere. And it explores positive impact in unexpected places. Mm-hmm. And so um, we'll, I've talked to anyone from, you know, people who design installation art to advertising agencies. I had a Oscar winning film director. Um, I have a social entrepreneur who, you know, kickstarted, uh, uh, his own company from, you know, uh, being homeless on a couch to a $600,000 Kickstarter, which now has evolved into a social enterprise where for every product they sell, they take out a certain amount of plastic from the ocean. Um, And so it's basically just finding unique and interesting people who have found ways to have impact in ways that you might not have considered. Because after all, what is the definition of impact? We don't even know. Because impact can be positive or negative. Are you able to measure the impact that you have done from your past project? Or is it something that you just can't, it's impossible to measure? So I can't measure. I I have have quantitative statistics. So I can uh-huh. say I had 100 million views on my different campaigns. Mm-hmm. Um, I have qualitative stories where I can tell people that as a result of doing this, I've changed this person's life and I can tell that story, but I don't have a full picture of it. Um, and, and so that to me is really frustrating. And it's something that I'm, I've been working on trying to figure out how to change. And I'm not sure if it's possible, but I'm asking the question. And sometimes it's important to ask the question because you, you, you start discovering interesting things. For example, mm-hmm. um, I've discovered that if you, try, if, if, if you try to measure the impact of art in a measurable environment, mm-hmm. then you can measure the impact. So if, if, you, if you create art inside of a hospital, where okay. everyone, everything is being measured. The number of uh-huh. times, uh, the amount of time a person comes in, well, how fast they're healing, all these different things. Then mm. you can measure the performance increase mm. in, in, a, in a patient. So Especially I was actually talking- Before and after kind of thing, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, and, and I was talking to uh, a guy who designs VR experiences and they're participating in a clinical trial. So they're studying the psychological effects of virtual reality on the ability for a patient to get through um, a surgical procedure the mm. surgical procedure easier. And as a result of designing um, a pre-visualization experience, um, I think it was like, uh, it was like eight, uh, only one out of the 80 patients that went through the thing had to get the 
anesthetic shot. Mm. But the, each shot costs thousands of dollars. So they're mm-hmm. saving um, this group, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so now you can say you can measure the value of the impact, yes. mm-hmm. right? Because you can you can measure cost savings. Um, and so if you think about if you if you start designing your projects differently to better measure the impact of what you do, and the impact is very different from the number of views it gets, right? Mm. Because on one hand you have the output of your work, and on the other hand you have the outcome. The output mm. is what you've created, yes, and yes, the yes. outcome is what it's accomplished. And so mm. it's important to differentiate between the two because if you pursue the wrong thing, then you will never be able to measure it. Yeah. Right? So if if for example in my projects, instead of designing and saying I'm trying to have as many views as possible for my project, I should have maybe tried to target one single policy. Because if mm-hmm. you get to change a policy, then you can say, as a result of this campaign, we managed to get this policy to change this rule that has now affected this many people. Right? And that's so you look, more, look for the state yeah. changes. Um, and it's a lot more work. It's a lot more work. But if you don't yeah. think about it, you'll never start finding those things. So uh, those are the questions that I'm asking different people. Okay, okay, okay. That's again, as you said, you're right. It's a lot more work because you're designing something now. It's not just what you're making. You know, as, uh, that's that's smart. That is a smart way to decide. Again, that's where experience coming in. That's where that's why you're gonna be doing consulting work. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe I don't know. But the thing is, like, for me, making became so easy, right? Like, photography mm-hmm. is three settings. Right? Mm-hmm. It's shutter speed. Aperture and uh, ISO, uh, ISO, and then yeah. and then you have composition, and then you have some lighting, and then you have editing, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. like there's only so much you can do. So like it's like a curve. So in the beginning you really suck, and then you get good <laughs> super quickly. Like there's like this mm-hmm. one year period where you go from like zero to hero, mm-hmm. and then to go from hero to superhero takes so much it's effort. So and time. hard, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not worth it because you've already gone from zero to hero, and it only took a year. So and like the problem is also people now? don't, and the impact is also kind of like, it's not as exponential too. Like my photos, for example, me spending, let's say the first hour on a photo going to be much more changes effective. or much more improve, effective on that photo. <laughs> but the last <laughs> half an hour doesn't matter as much. People, most of the time, they don't even see it. Like right, right, right. zero to 80%. Yeah. They can see the dramatic change, but 80 to hundreds. Whereas like, oh, this is going to make the picture like mm, close to perfect. But yeah. nobody's gonna care. But you're still gonna waste so much more time and energy on it. Um, right. I wish there's a way that we can kind of combine it too. Like, can show that that one part that can set us apart, and that's why we spend so much energy and experience and time on that one eighty percent to hundred percent. Well, um, if if your eighty percent to hundred percent isn't showing up, then maybe you can also consider where you can spend that same amount of time. Right, so let's say mm-hmm. let's say for every I don't know let's let, let's say you could edit a photo in five minutes to eighty percent, and then mm-hmm. the last twenty percent took you like two hours. What if you mm-hmm. spent those same two hours uh, trying to create the story around what you created? Right, so that's kind of like what I did. I shifted my time from post production into pre production. So I spent mm-hmm. months creating pre production so that I spend almost zero time in the post-production, 
Mm. And then and then the wrappers around it, like I'm spending more time on my projects, but I spend time creating a behind the scene video. I spend time creating a campaign. I spend time building relationships with companies. And so my time is not spent because if I took all that time and I invested into this one photograph, uh, that like 0.1% mm. better that it takes to get there would be totally ineffective. So I think yeah. all, considering that you only have so many hours in a day, right? We go back to that question of time. How would you want to spend your time is super important because it's not about what you create. It's about uh -huh. how you got there and what it accomplished. And those are also really important to consider. How close are you at that ideal goal where you combine the, um, no, what you want to do and also what you're good at and everything? Oh, uh, yeah. So um, I, think, I think life is like this. I think there's like, this is where you want to be. <laughs> and this is where you are. And you can try to close this gap as much but as you it want. Shift. Yeah. <laughs> but it's never going to get there. So that's a very artist mindset too. I think it's us. We're never fully happy. It's just always like, oh, I'm getting no. happier, but then like this kind of move. And then every time the goalpost is move a bit further every single time. It is. It's uh it's a little bit frustrating, but I think it's just it's the a way given it is. a curse, and us, especially us being Asian is a very <laughs> Asian culture mindset, you know? <laughs> Like yeah, if we're fully happy, we'll never improve. So yeah, give yeah, it a curse. No. It right. is. It is. It is an interesting one. Not well, sure uh, there's a solution for it. <laughs> Once it's over, uh, any project you wanted to do but haven't got a chance yet? This kind of always a project that you want to do. I don't want. I don't want to ask the stupid question where it's like, oh, what is your dream project? That's always a weird question because that change all the time. But I mean, I'm really. I'm trying to create. I'd like I'd like my next big project to prove that it's possible to achieve uh, social, economical, and environmental change through the power of art. So I want to create a project that creates work for the community. So the project that creates projects. Yeah, a, basically a project that creates work for the community that protects the environment and educates the people and is self-replicating so that can grow over time. So I want a project that Ooh, I can tough. plant a seed for mm -hmm. that can that I can design a framework around that I can measure the impact of and that can have impact not just once in a point in time but over a duration of time. And this is something that I've been wanting to do for like over a year now and it just takes so long to get to that point, but I but like that's that's what I'm aspiring for, and I, I don't know how to get there, That's but we'll the see. the difference between growing a tree and planting a forest. Like a forest, a sustainable <laughs> ecosystem. You're growing a tree, it's like, okay, I'm making sure this one tree grow nicely, but you won't Maybe. want an ecosystem where you keep growing and keep growing, you know? Uh, yeah, but you don't need to be the only person to be planting the tree, right? Uh -huh. you need Maybe you just need to find the army that is waiting for the next thing to do, right? So it's about uh -huh. finding the allies also. It's not just about, you know, working really, really hard. Sometimes it's also about trying to work really, really smart. So I don't know how you get there. Um, and I don't know how I'm going to get there or if I'm going to get there or whether or not I'm going to get bored and change my mind. Those are all possibilities. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> uh, good luck. Um, 
question where can people <laughs> <Good> find <luck. laughs> you it's typical you're like, I, like you're like I, I don't even know what to say to that i already give up on that. like it's great i mean it's, it's, it's amazing but as amazing as it is like that is not easy man like i'm already start no. brainstorming on like how is that a because even you doing it yourself you have been doing many projects for the last 10 years and and before you were doing impactful projects, you were already doing other type of projects that's not you know trying to impact the mm-hmm. environment or anything like that and those were already semi-difficult but with your with this if well, you, people, you there's so rare people that can do this you have a few people that can do it now you have to figure out how to make it so others people can do it that is not like you that's yeah yeah that that's a hard one <laughs> that's the same as like you know us hiring people to help us right and it's like yeah we can never hire the person that we're able to do what we wanted to do because if they can do what we do they'll be doing their thing Other which is things. what exactly but that mean they will never get to do what we kind of want them to do as well because they're not like us well i don't know because when you look at the people who are the most successful in the world even even if they're artists take someone like i don't know ai weiwei or whatever you know he's mm-hmm. he has an army of people helping him to be who he is and this is true for fashion designers to actors to movie directors you know these are people who build teams and it's because they build amazing teams that they can do amazing things. And if you never grow past the confines of only being able to work alone, you're mm-hmm. very limited in what you're ever going to be able to accomplish. And that's something that I struggle with, right? Like I'm still a one person team. I've been a one person team forever and I find do you do little workshop like photography workshops or I don't know, maybe you should show for not just photography. Maybe the front seems like photography. But the, what you're really teaching is how to make the impact. Because that's how you have more people that are like-minded who want to do what you're kind of doing, but then they can also support what you wanted to do. Yeah, I'm curious about, I'm curious about creating community. And, and that's because I, I don't necessarily see myself as an expert, right? Like I don't, I don't have the solutions. But I do think that if, you're ha- if you have the ability to convene people mm-hmm. who have a shared mission and who are looking to have the same transformation as you you are looking for together, mm. um, then you might be able to accomplish a lot more. And so, I don't know. Like I I I like I don't do workshops because people go to workshops looking for a quick fix. Like they go mm. there looking for the easy solution to becoming an expert at something. And the truth is, it's like it doesn't work that way, or I don't think it works that way. Um, and so. I don't know. I, I don't I don't offer workshops right now. That's like asking like who make the first self-help book. Yeah. <laughs> because I didn't do it because of through workshop, you know. I didn't get to where I am because of doing any workshop. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not sure about you, but I didn't even go to school for photography at all. You didn't. Yeah, no, I didn't either. Most yeah. of us have not, I feel like. Right. Uh Yeah, I mean, I I did do teaching. I did teach photography for a long time and mm-hmm. uh and it was great, but over time, like, I just, you know, everyone comes to these workshops just looking like, okay, what's your lighting setup? What camera do you use? What's your editing technique? What software? Like, what plugins are you using? And it's just like, yeah, but that's not the point, guys. What I don't <laughs> like a- is that, I, see, people sometimes say it on my comments on my photos as well. It's like, oh, Martin, I really appreciate how you post the, you know, your settings, you know, of the photos. But like, it doesn't matter because like, you're not going to take the exact same shot in the same environment. There's so many changes Knowing the settings, yeah, it doesn't matter. Maybe, maybe you're a very true beginner. Then maybe you kind of have some idea that helps you. But mm-hmm. 
beyond that, it's, it doesn't do anything, you know? It's like giving you a recipe, but then doesn't tell you, you know, what kind of oven, how much, how many food you're cooking, and what you're cooking at all, you know? It's like, oh yeah, you can just use a setting for any food you cook. It's like, that's, that's, that's not how it works at all. Yeah. But that people, that's what people are looking for though. This is the quick fix. We are in the fast food culture now in content. So I think it's, it's just what guys look for. You know, girls never look at that. Um, dudes are so focused on numbers and like quick. Data driven. Yeah. And, and if you go to like, like girls for the most part, and I don't want to be like sexist about it, but I just feel like um, they're like trying to capture an emotion or, you know, a feeling or it's like, it's always a little bit different. And, um, and I think that's actually what it's about. They're, they're more focused on like, um, on, on what the outcome of what they're trying to create is. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I think guys are just trying to focus on like the technique to get there, um, mm-hmm. the how. They're so focused on the how, not the why. Um, and I think that's a, f- a a flaw in many people because ultimately it's not a not just about the how. The how is a tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. The how is more like a solution to get to what you want. And I and I have that. I, I tell that to people all the time too. Like it doesn't matter. Like for example, I always tell people I don't use Lightroom and it blows their mind because like I don't need Lightroom. I just want to find a way to create the photos that I wanted. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to go through this certain way. And and same with Photoshop. There's so many different ways to get to the results that you wanted. And mm-hmm. people are so like everyone also went through the HDR phase. Yeah, <laughs> the HDR cre- hole. Oh <laughs> my God. Have you seen like that's one chart that I'm sure we all have seen like yeah. photography and <laughs> learning. And they went through this HDR things like why? And uh, it's it's weird. And then we have a lot of self like a lot of circle jerking in the photography scene in the beginner. Yeah. Um especially in the cosplay scene. Anyway, uh where can people find your vodcast? And when are you podcast. starting doing it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm at like episode five this Monday. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty fresh. And uh, is it weekly? I, I, I'm doing it weekly, um, launching every Monday. And it's it's really good because it keeps me accountable to my own uh, my own growth. Schedule. So it, like, I, I, I'm quite liking it. Uh, you can find it at impacteverywhere.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think I post about it occasionally on, on my Instagram at Von Wong, but impacteverywhere.org is where you'll find more information. And I'm sure you are, except Facebook uh, and Twitter, you're Von Wong. I am Von Wong on Facebook. I think I'm the Von Wong on Twitter and I am hmm. Von Wong on Instagram. Yeah, well, someone's stealing it. You should steal it back. I can't give it back. I, I can't. I tried reaching out to Twitter and it's just like an account that's completely hasn't been used in like five or six years or something. I can't get it. I have friends. Very that sad. We know people yeah. in, the, in, in Twitter. We should try to see if they're not active. We put, put yeah. some string. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. I, I, had, I had a person and he couldn't get it done. Apparently they've changed their policies to make it harder to take names back. I used to work in Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah. I also work in tech. So again, very different than photography. But yeah, I didn't tell anyone I worked there because if I do, I'm sure I'll get this floodgate just open up. Everyone's like, hey, can you verify me? Can you change this name? Can you do this? You know, I secretly helped a few friends, but uh, right. <laughs> never like tell people. Like if anything, I just tell people, I know a friend that works there. Maybe I'll, I'll ask them, you know, <laughs> but no, right, right, right. once I tell them, Oh God. So only a few few friends know when I was working there. Now there's more people know. I used to work in a D social media company, but different. <laughs> Would anyway, you ever go back? I don't know. I'm uh, it, you know, cause like it's one of those things, right? 
if I can do what I'm doing and what I love for a living, I would definitely love to do that. But I didn't get to where I am without doing the desk job, you know, the little nine to five that I hated. Mm -hmm. um, because like when I had my last desk job, desk job it, it has to do three, three things for me, right? It has to either pay me really well, but that's because money allowed me to do stuff that I love doing, you know, like traveling and doing photography, or it has to like promote me so I can get to a higher position, which also might go back to money so I can do what I wanted, you know, but also I want to be more creative by having, you know, taking different projects. Or lastly, it has to teach me something, you know? Mm -hmm. And if not doing any of this, then I'm out. And that's what I did, you know? I was at Facebook and then it was like, hey, I have idea to improve your system. I have a way to make this better. And there's so much inefficiency. And that's why we had a job. A lot of people have a job because there's so much inefficiency. And <laughs> I feel like if, I mean, they needed three people to replace me after I left, but I could also made it so it doesn't require me at all, but they don't want to listen. They don't want to improve it. Get When companies get bigger and bigger, they want a system that doesn't want to change. And I get it, you know? Uh, you know, I might become that if I have a big company too. I don't know. Never been there yet. <laughs> but but I don't know. Maybe I will go back to, so that once I maybe do this, I, I will never be sick and tired of doing what I'm doing right now because I love it. I do love it. But maybe I can change it so that what I learn from here can bring it over there and change and make an impact on that kind of culture and maybe change it a little bit so mm -hmm. that it'll be different. Maybe. Or unless I start something that can do the same change. I don't know. I what about you? The future, the future will tell. Oh, I don't even know where I could go work. I mean, I, I was, uh, I was trying to write out my dream job uh, a couple months ago, and I realized like it had, it actually had nothing to do about salary. It had everything to do about impact. Like I would be really excited about creatively controlling a large experimental budget mm -hmm. uh, that I could use to. Uh, create stories that I felt would be meaningful and projects that I thought would be exciting, even if I wasn't the one to execute them. Um, on a similar note, like I'm also interested in growth and, but always in service of something greater. So um, I don't know when the right, when and if the right offer comes, we'll see. Um, but you need I, money I to have know. power to able to make those changes. Like how I see this, my, my perspective for the longest time is that you need to gain power to share power. Like if you're just a person who doesn't have a lot, it's really difficult to make changes. And the, the, the difficult part is that a lot of people might have that ideology starting out, but once they are a part of the system where they kind of earn more power, they forgot what they want to do in the beginning. So then they kind of become part of the system, you know, it, it, it doesn't transfer through. So, yeah, but like there's a lot of different kinds of power. There's like soft power and hard power. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if I like, if you, if you have a girlfriend, then your girlfriend has a lot of power on you and they didn't have to accumulate a lot of wealth to get there. Mm -hmm. Right. Just as like yeah. a really weird example, as like mm -hmm. a completely side sideways example. But um, that means you need something that people love. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have to prove something. I mean, someone like Greta Thunberg didn't become rich to then mm -hmm. become powerful. She just became powerful as a, you know, byproduct of a, a lot of weird things, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. I, I just feel like if, if you go down, I, I think there are a lot of different ways to accomplish what you are trying to go after and mm -hmm. impact means a lot of different things. And I don't think you go, you, 
you become impactful by pursuing the desire to become impactful. You have, it's like, it's just like you can't become a billionaire just because you work really hard. You become a billionaire because you're really passionate about something and you get really passionate about something else. And then you take those ideas from these two passions and you combine them to create something the world's never seen before. And then mm-hmm. through the process of pursuing something you're really caring about, you then become, you know, empowered to do more, right? So it's like you don't become rich and powerful by pure virtue of wanting to become rich and powerful. I think it's, it's oh, yeah. sort of the reverse. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, as I, mean, I said, no, yeah. money to me is more of the, as, a pro, as a tool, you know, as, it's not what it is by itself. It's what you can do with it. You know, that's what I'm saying this earlier. It's like right. getting promoted. Yeah. Having a bigger job title doesn't mean anything in real life. Like you can't really hold it or touch it, but it allows mm-hmm. you to maybe earn more money. But then the money is not really the thing that you want anyway. A piece of paper doesn't do anything, but it's that what right. you can use it for change something that maybe that can, you know, as you said, the transformation part, maybe. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, I mean, it, having more money helps, but I have to say, just speaking from the projects that I have done, just because I have a bigger client doesn't mean I'm going to do better work. Mm-hmm. Because with a bigger client comes more red tape. It yes. comes with more meetings. It comes with more nuances. It comes with more liability. It comes with more risk. And so it's, I think it's, I think what you say is true. Like, yes, we need all these things. The world we live in is a capitalist one. Money makes the world go around and all that, all that absolutely. But don't feel limited by your lack of access to capital to do the thing that you really want to do. Because if you truly want to do something, you'll find a way to do it and the money will come. And of course, coming from you, that's definitely <laughs> makes sense because you have done it. Like we have all seen you do it, you know, uh, all the projects well, I don't know if done. I've done it. I, I know I'm trying to do it. You but, have done you know. it. Like almost all your projects were like that. So I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. You know, um, <laughs> I, I wonder if it's different how people, because uh, of course, you know, in the photography community, we have lots of people who know who you are, what you do. Um, I wonder how are people, new people coming in, seeing, understanding who you are. I wonder if it's different than how we saw it or how we started it together, like or like around the same time, you know, because we've seen all our photographer friends, you know, they all have accomplished different things, uh, you know, different routes. And we all kind of did it because we just wanted to do it at first. No one really want to do it to be famous and powerful. It just hap- it's just it a byproduct, you know, it comes along. But yeah. I don't know. I wonder if the new kid's gonna see it differently. I because I, I know it's very different in the gaming and cosplay scene for me at least. Like we did it because it was fun. It was enjoyable. It was more of an escape, if anything. But now it become a full time job for some people. And there's people that come you know, up and coming saying, that's what I want to do for a living. That's what I become um, I, I think, I think, so I went to Bali, uh, I don't know, seven or eight months ago and, uh, <laughs> I, and I had been there before and Bali is, is, has become so weird. Um, you know, in the past, when you traveled somewhere, you, you went there to have an experience, right? You mm-hmm. want to go see something new. You want to experience it. You want to discover a culture. Um, today when you travel and you go somewhere, uh, you go somewhere because you saw it on Instagram and because you saw a photograph that you liked. And so you go there and then you line up for like an hour and a half to take the exact same photo as the hundred other people that were lining up in front of you Mm -hmm. to take the photo that you saw on Instagram. And so the activity is actually the photograph, not the experience. So people literally go to all these different destinations. Like that's, that's the plan to go and take photos of things that they've seen or to brag about it to their friends. And that 
same thing propagates throughout everything from the restaurants you eat at, because now you can take photos of the food that you've ate, um, mm-hmm. to the places you visit, to the people you hang out with. And it's, it's really, really weird. And I think maybe for someone who's grown up, it's a way for them to touch uh, influence or like be a place where someone else has been that they saw and admired or like to, in some ways you're fulfilling a dream, right? Maybe you, you were sitting at home and you're like, man, I really wish I could be there. And then, and now you're there. So you're going to do, mm-hmm. you're going to walk through the motions, but, but it's different. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, I do think it's changing. I don't know if it's better or worse. I mean, I feel like it's worse, but who am I to judge? I think every generation thinks the last generation was crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's not really like judgmental, but I find it so weird. Um, and, and and it went it went to the point where like I just didn't want to go anywhere. I was just like, uh, I see tell me where lot. there, tell me where there's no people, and I want to go there. <laughs> I see that a lot right now on Instagram and TikTok culture. It's really strange, as you said. Uh, for example, one thing I keep seeing common is that people will start doing a lot of video and photos of them going to the places, but not actually the results. But they would like to post that. Oh, you want to follow me to see the results and be doing that specific thing. And then you have all these couples that pretend they're like discovering new location, but then they're being videographed and photographed by obviously like a professional team or at least one person, a professional photographer, videographer. And they, yeah. and again, it's an experience that is, is, is strange because everyone knows that it's not real, but they still want to have the same experience that is not real. Um, it's a show, I, I, man. I thought about this. Like, do I want to be a travel photographer? You know, those travel blogger where they, you know, get paid to fly around and then go to all these places. I wonder if I enjoy it. I feel like that's something I would want to do if I have like a girlfriend to be more like, hey, this is an excuse for us to travel more together and, you know, be together. And that's just the work that's kind of allow us to do that. Not because of the work itself. I don't know. I mean, technically, do you do that? Or you could earn... No, no, I don't do that. But I mean, I travel with my girlfriend, but we... Uh, actually, it's hard to say. She would. Uh, it's changed over time, because my projects take a long time, right? So, like when yeah. I did Stropocalypse, it took it took a month. We were a month in Vietnam, and my girlfriend came to help out. And so mm-hmm. she would say that we just spent the whole month working. I would say that we spent, you know, a month together <laughs> on a cool project. Um, but we're getting better. I, I I mean, I'm getting better at at balancing that out and like trying really hard to like carve out space. Mm-hmm. Um. I think there's a mentality of scarcity. You know, you always wonder when are you going to get the chance to do this thing or when, you know, how are you going to make this sustainable? And that's definitely always in the back of your mind. So it forces you to live a certain way, but I'm trying to change that. Yeah. My girlfriend lives in Australia. So we've been together for five years, long distance. And uh, you do long distance. Well, I I feel like I couldn't do it. That's why maybe I don't have a girlfriend yet. Oh, I love long distance. Long distance is great. Um, I mean, I think if you had a girlfriend now, she'd probably be long distance anyways, because everyone's quarantined. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a problem I see on Tinder right now. Like they allow you to do like travel on Tinder so you can go to different locations to match with people. Mm. So it's kind of like that, but it's like, ah, but that means when this is all over, if it does, then it would be strange for me. I mean, I don't know, would it be strange to be like, not sure how I feel to have someone that's so far away, that's not easy to meet up. Um, I don't know. You know. I, I I quite like having a long distance partner because um, when we're together, we can be together. 
mm-hmm. and then when we're apart, we can, we can be yeah. our own people. And so, you know, being far means that you have you really have to think about why you're going to see each other and whether or not it's worth it. And so, I think it's a really great reality <laughs> check all the time. Uh, and we get to grow. We we grow in parallel in different ways, and then we'll you know check back in, see if we're on the same page, you know, see what we're doing, and then we'll go back and do our own thing. So. Yeah, no, my, it works really my, well. My struggle with my photography as well, because my type is a lot of uh, portrait cosplay, sometimes boudoir, sometimes you know, nude, imply, whatever. Um, it's about <laughs> finding people who are understanding what we do. It's like, oh, it's just, it's just work, man. Like It's literally just work and not have a jealousy issue. So it's like, it, it's hard. You have to find people who are kind of maybe either in the same industry who understand how that's like, or is someone who's, completely out of it and like don't care that's my yeah i i can't help you on that one man (laughs) because i don't i don't do that (laughs) yeah what if you know you start like like, it's like i mean you i'm sure like your i'm sure your followers are just like oh man i feel so sorry for martin he has to like shoot all these hot women all the time Uh uh-huh yeah Mm -hmm. so poor yeah (laughs) poor i mean i get hit on by guys all the time thinking i am the gross oh i don't know how it's like it's different models every single time sometimes they're even guys and sometimes they're, they're all different ethnicity different hair colors you know different shape and size and they will still hit on me and telling me how much they love my breast because because guys are they don't look very deep do they <sighs> most of them don't <laughs> unfortunately it's like Ooh, boobies let me say yeah. something <laughs> yeah <sighs> that's why i'm trying yeah. to go all pg-13 too but like eh, eh, here and there well yeah whatever anyway this has been great i love it we should do this more even not for vodcast or bot- podcast or whatever um, oh good oh good i have no idea like what's happening on your stream like how does it work do you see an, is there interact interaction is it one there's way more follow there's more follow there's some people commenting uh you know here and there but this is also going to be again on itunes on spotify on youtube so and Gosh, also i also have everywhere. an editor that will help me uh make a bunch of videos so clips cool. i can use for post on Twitter so more people can find you, find this. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's kind of new. This is my 10th week of doing it. Yep. You are episode, I don't know, 23, I think, uh, somewhere Very around cool. there. So I'm still learning about it. But I, I'm, I'm interested in how, it's not about your podcast itself, but I want to see what you learn from doing it. So yeah, yeah. Check Dude, I found me. this app. Yeah. I found this app that I'm loving. It's called Descript. Have you heard of okay. it? No. D e s c r i p t. It it transcribes okay. your entire conversation, and you can, instead of editing a mm. waveform, you're editing words, so you can copy paste words and paragraphs around. And it's ten bucks a month, and it's amazing. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's right, just a right. really cool thing. <laughs> I'll check it out. I'll check it out. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, stay on the line. But um, for people who are watching right now, uh, thank you so much for watching. Thank you for you know listening. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, iTunes. Um, yeah, find us more on different places. You know, I'm Modern Wong Photo. That's Wong Wong. And I'll see you all next time. All right. See you guys. Bye.